0: is from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Now this morning we continue our journey through 2 Timothy. Today we start the final chapter. Now throughout the book, Paul has been encouraging Timothy in his ministry. Encouraging this young, weak introvert in the ministry that God has called him to. In our text this morning, Paul gives his final piece of instruction to Timothy. Timothy. That instruction is intended to encourage him, but also to guide him. May it encourage and guide us as well as we, like Timothy and Paul, join Jesus on His mission. Let's read the Word of the Lord together this morning. Second Timothy chapter four, verses one to eight. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in storm for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. man. God, I pray that you'd speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. I pray this in your name. Amen. Like some of us, I'm sure, Bronnie Ware was feeling unfulfilled in her work. And so she started looking for a new job, a job that had some meaning. And though she had no formal training or experience, she ended up as a palliative nurse. Now, palliative care is specialized medical care for people living with a serious illness. And Bronnie, she took time with her patients and she began to ask them questions about their lives. In 2009, she wrote a blog post based off her interactions with patients over the years, and she titled her posts, her post, Regrets of the Dying. The blog post bounced around the internet, and after three years, it had been read by eight million people. That year, Brawny expanded her post into a book memoir titled, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, A Life Transformed by the Dearly Departed. She took the top five regrets that, that people had and she put them in a book and then, and then gave thoughts on them and inflection on them. And, and so of, in her top five, one of the regrets that, that they, was that they wished that they hadn't worked so hard. They wished that they had spent more time with their spouse, with their kids, that they had not given so much time to the treadmill of work. Another regret that was super popular, that was really high up there, was that they wished that they had let themselves be happier. So many of them stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content. When deep within, they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. As we get closer to the end of our lives, the things that are truly important become more and more clear. We see that in our text this morning. Paul is telling Timothy that he is being poured out like a drink offering. That the time for his departure is near. In Exodus chapter 29, 40 to 41, we read that when the Israelites sacrificed a lamb... They were to pour out a cup of wine at the altar, and that the scent of the wine would mix with the smell of the burnt lamb and bring a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. Paul is likening his own blood to that of wine poured out on the offering of his life. His time is coming. And at this, as, as his time draws near, his message is crystal clear. He sees the whole of his life. He sees the whole of all the things that he has done, all of the ways that God has worked in and through him. And he sits in his cold, smelly, damp, lonely dungeon cell. And he boils everything down to one charge. He compresses all of his teaching into one oh so important instruction for his young protege. With God as my witness, Paul writes, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Preach the word. That's it. That's his charge. That's his main point of instruction. His main point of emphasis. The thing that has become the most important. Important to him as he nears the end of his life. This is his charge to Timothy preach the word. And Paul's charge to Timothy, man, that's a charge to us today. That's a charge to us today. Give people the gospel. Tell them about a God who loves them, who died for them, who wants to spend eternity in heaven with them. Help them recognize the sin in our lives, the ways that they fall short. And tell them that they have been forgiven. That Jesus paid for all of that sin on the cross and that if they would believe in his sacrifice on their behalf. If they would believe that he is the son of God and that he rose again from the dead conquering sin and death then their sins are covered. Those sins are forgotten by God and they are remembered no more. And then they can have a relationship with the living God. That's what he wants. That's his plan. That's the gospel. And that's the message that Timothy is charged to preach. Ecclesiastes 3 has a lot to tell us about seasons about times in life. In that chapter of the Bible, we read that there's a time to die and a time to live, a time to move, a time to heal, a time to build and a time to tear down, a time to laugh and a time to cry, a time for war and a time to make peace. And the list goes on It continues. Now, there are a bunch of, of different seasons in life. There are a bunch of different experiences that we will go through in life. And Paul is telling us here in 2 Timothy that in all of the seasons, it is the time to preach the word. It is the time to proclaim the gospel in season and out of season. So it doesn't matter if the season doesn't really feel right. It doesn't matter if we're uncomfortable. It is always time to proclaim the gospel because the gospel message fits into every and any season of life it fits with every emotion so other things are going fantastic or we're drowning in depression the gospel fits it fits into every culture If you're over in Africa in a small village, or if you're in the the heat and the the craziness of of Miami, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Bergenfield, it fits into every culture. It fits into every socioeconomic status. Whether you're running with the high rollers, or or you're running with me, it fits into every socio economic status it fits into every life lived by every person on the planet and proclaiming this to our neighbor to our friend to our coworker to our family to all of those that God brings into our lives paul tells timothy that this is part of the mission that christ has called us to that we are to do the work of an evangelist as he writes in verse 5. The work of an evangelist. Awesome. Just what each of us wants to hear, right? Isn't that the guy, like, standing on the corner yelling at everyone that they're going to go to hell and that they need to repent and give their lives to Christ? I can't tell you how many times when evangelism is brought up that I, I hear someone turn to a friend and say, man, am I glad that God didn't give me the gift of evangelism. Evangelism isn't standing on a corner yelling at people. Evangelism is telling someone about Jesus. Proclaiming the hope and truth of the gospel to them. Sometimes it takes place, often poorly, on a street corner. It can take place on a street corner. But more often it takes place in living rooms. Around kitchen tables over a cup of something warm to drink in between friends. Listen, yeah, it's, it's easier for some. Yes, some just have natural gifts and personalities that line up oh so well with evangelism. Those stinking extroverts and their love of talking to people. But while the gifts and personalities may line up a little bit better for some people, we have all been given the instruction to evangelize. Jesus' last word to the church was, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go into all the world and tell them about me, says Jesus. Teach them about me and baptize them. Go into all of the world and evangelize. He's not just talking to those who have the knack for it. He's talking to every single member, every single person in the church. This is our last directive from the Son of God. The final piece of instruction he gave us was to preach the word. To evangelize. Preach the word. Proclaim the scriptures of scripture as they are intended and to whom they are intended. Paul elaborates a little on preaching the word by breaking it down a bit. He says the word can be used to correct, rebuke, and encourage. Some of us may be rubbing our hands together and licking our chops at the opportunity to correct and rebuke. Some of us may be blushing and lowering our heads thinking there is no way that I'm going to walk into that kind of conflict. Are you crazy? Or maybe we're worried that that those who are looking forward to doing some correcting have their sights set on us. Listen, if you enjoy correcting and rebuking, if you enjoy calling people out on where they are falling short and how they should actually be living their Christian lives, if you enjoy that, then you are likely abusing your ministry. But, and this isn't easy, if you do not correct and rebuke where it needs to be done, where it is appropriate, then you are shirking the responsibility of your ministry. It's all part of preaching the word. Preaching the word is the signature work of Christian ministry. And that can get hard, man. That can get really hard. It can seem to continually put us in spots that are uncomfortable. But it's clear that they were uncomfortable for Timothy as well. Paul is telling Timothy that even though he isn't comfortable doing these things, they are a major part of the mission of Christ, God's mission to bring about his kingdom. So how are you doing with that? How are you doing... With preaching the word, with proclaiming the gospel, how are you doing with evangelism? How are you doing with giving the hard truths? With with giving the corrective word, the rebuking word in love. It can be really hard. It can be really hard, and culture doesn't make it any easier. As we can so easily see in the world around us, our society is divided into these, into these groups, these different echo chambers, where people can socialize and spend time with people that, that think like they do, and they can and do block out anyone who thinks differently than they do. If you want to belong to or feed into an echo chamber, you know where to go. You know what to do. You know what news channel to watch. You know what website to get your information from, which newspapers cater to your preferred slant, your preferred view. And as people divide into these these different echo chambers, it becomes harder and harder to speak truth into their lives because they have set up for themselves what they believe to be true. They have taken life experience and elements from people that they trust, from people living in, in their echo chamber, and decided what is true and what is not that's why evolution is being taught in our schools after the discovery of of DNA the recognition that there is an incredibly complex book of instructions in ourselves that dictate if we have red hair or black hair that we have dark skin or light skin that we are tall or short all of the physical elements are dictated and written down in our DNA and we think that we put all of that together that there wasn't a designer that's like saying a box of legos assembled itself it decided which pieces were going to go in the box and then and then it put itself together in the way that it wanted to be put together we know that on our own Legos or on their own, Legos are just hard pieces of plastic, little landmines just waiting for the opportunity to bring pain into someone's life. They can't put themselves together. And they definitely don't come up with a plan for how to do so. But we don't want to believe in a higher power. We don't want to believe in a creator. So we ignore all of the evidence that speaks against our theories and focus on the truth that we have created for ourselves. And though this is clear and obvious in the world around us, how the world, how we have ignored God and come up with our own truths. Paul is telling Timothy in our passage today that this is happening in the church as well. People are flocking to bad theology. In some ways, Christianity has become a, a choose-your-own-adventure book. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, with choose-your-own-adventure books. When I was in high school, like that, was a, that was a big thing, right? Like, you, you, get, your, you get your book and, and you read a little bit, and it's like, if you want to take the tunnel, go to page 69. If you want to, you know, get in the plane, go to page 76, and so you go to that page, and all oh, the plane crashed, and now you're dead, and then your story's over. Or, no, now I'm, now I'm in the tunnel, and so I'm okay. So you flip back, you make sure that you're going on one where you stay alive, and you get some kind of ending that you want. But it was a choose-your-own-adventure. You flip around all of this book, getting to decide how you wanted the adventure to play out. And now, instead of a choose-your-own-adventure, we've decided to go with a choose-your-own-teacher's. Today, preachers fill stadiums of people telling them what they want to hear about their money or their politics by entertaining them and by proclaiming bizarre doctrines that appeal to the curiosity. People naturally move away from the truth. In fact, often the masses prefer myth to truth. Myths are stories that people in earlier times used to describe natural phenomena or to make a point. Today, many prefer to overlook truth and believe stories that fit their agendas and say the things that they want them to say. Our audience, those that we are called to preach to, they are hostile to our message in the church and out of the church. And yet we are still charged to proclaim it. So again, how are you doing with that? I'm reminded of a line from Coldplay's song, The Scientist. Nobody said it it was easy. No one ever said it would be this hard. As we look at this charge that has been given to us, This charge of preach the word, proclaim the truth, share the gospel, evangelize, endure hardship, correct, rebuke, and encourage. As we look at this charge, it is so clear that we need to rest in Christ. We are going to fail to do this perfectly. We are going to ignore opportunities to proclaim truth. We are going to rebuke pridefully, and we are going to shirk responsibility. We cannot carry this charge. We cannot carry this mission. So praise God that it is His mission. Though He calls us to join Him in His mission, though He uses us in His mission, it is His Mission. Christ is the one doing the verbs. He is the one working in the hearts of people. He is the one converting and condemning. It is his word that we are charged to proclaim. He's the one doing it. And he knows the people that he has called to join him on this mission. He knows you. He knows me. He knows what makes us uncomfortable. He knows what makes us feel insecure. He knows where we struggle and fail, not just in this mission, but in life. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temptations. He knows our addictions. He knows our guilt. He knows our shame. He knows He knows He knows because He is intimately aware of all of it We can't keep secrets from Him
1: Because He bore it
0: to the cross at Calvary And He died for it He paid the price for all of our failings But then He also conquered them By rising again. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. In Christ and in Christ alone. And friend. Church. Because of Christ. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Jesus Christ made full satisfaction for all of your sins. And you are forgiven. And this God who has forgiven you of all of your failings is calling you to join him on his mission. Despite knowing that you won't be able to do it perfectly. Despite knowing that at times you're going to be Jonah and you're going to run from it. Even though he knows that there are times that you will hurt him on this mission. He is still calling you to join him in it. He is ecstatic about using you in his mission to bring about his kingdom. So go. Preach the word. Share the gospel. Live the gospel. And know that you too, like Paul, will one day look back on your life and see how God used you how God used the broken things in your life to minister to other broken people. For the church is a church of the broken for the broken. When you continue to rest in God's grace while heeding his call, you too will look back on life and be able to say with Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. All of this is true for you in Christ alone. What an amazing Wonderful, powerful God we serve. Amen.